Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, June 27th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I'm going to try to do this as quick as possible today because I'm going to be live in about a little more than an hour and a half with Ricky from uh, Union of the Unwanted. And so I'm going to make sure we try to get this done quickly. It's a good challenge for myself today in any case. And on top of that, there's something else. Oh, in general, let me know. I'm going to be using OBS today and kind of in the next couple of weeks and maybe in general for the couple – I'm switching some things in the background here. So let me know both in the chat as well as in email DMs if there's any differences you're noticing. Audio differences, anything you're seeing. It's like the weird issue I had yesterday, things I might not see, if it's cutting in and out, stuff like that. Let me know. So I'm going to jump right into this today because I want to make sure we get this done as quick as possible. But, you know, getting all the information in here. But there's a lot of really important stuff to cover. I'm going to go over some updates on the kind of Roe versus Wade conversation uh, as well as as well as the fact that that I want to make sure and reiterate a couple things in my stance and some, some you know, as always, as the people saying that I'm being hypocritical, and you know what, maybe I am. That's always certainly possible, but I want to address that point and, and make sure that I'm being clear and make sure you guys see a couple other fine points. Now, we're also going to talk about some COVID-19 discussion today specifically in regard to the future framework being discussed by the FDA and what that really means. Now, we've been harping on this for a long time now. It started to kind of filter into some of the larger channels, which I'm happy to see, but we need to start realizing this has always been the plan. The, the transition into this universal, which is what they used to use around the um, flu discussion, the universal vaccine, which is still their goal, but now they're just stepping softly into it. Well, the bivalent vaccine, just it'll, it'll deal with two things, three things. Everything is the kind of the plan, and that's not my opinion. That's what they've been saying long before COVID-19. So now when they act like there's this new idea to transition into a situation where we don't need to safety test because they're biologically similar, but we should be alarmed about that because it's not new and this is something they've been vying for and, in fact, things they even discussed in the beginning of COVID-19. But we'll go over all this and show you why I think it's alarming using their documentation. Then we're going to talk about some new things in regard to some new peer-reviewed studies, one around myocarditis, continuing to show exactly what you already know, but it's important to understand that. A Lancet study discussing thromboembolic events and how they're seeing a safety signal. Again, you're not shocked by that, but it's important to understand what this stuff is. Oh, you know what? I'm realizing one thing. Uh, just bear with me for those that are live right now. Uh, if you're wa- Well, I don't know if you're watching this somewhere else. Make sure people know in the YouTube channel that I am fixing the problem right now. This has nothing to do with the new platform. I just forgot to do something in regard to the channel I'm using on YouTube. The new, I, I, I set up a new... Uh, pirate stream today and I'm using that one and I forgot to switch it that's on me so give me 30 seconds to turn that on and switch this over I'll leave the other YouTube channel up in case people just jumped over there so now we're pirate streaming on two YouTube channels today I'm sure they just love that but uh, give me one second while we get this set up. But the, the, while I'm doing that, I'll, I'll say at the end, we're going to get into some Ukraine discussion and some really important stuff, actually, in regard to let me switch this real quick. And we're good in regard to some bombings that are happening a lot, in fact. And you won't be surprised to see that it's Ukraine says Ukraine government says a mayor of this place in Ukraine reports. <laughs> 
No verification on those corporate media reports, which is completely expected. And we're also going to show you how the New York Times, of all places, just it just exposed that the CIA is on the ground in Ukraine, like we've continued to tell you, and that they've always been there, as they even admit. And it's weird that they go, look, the CIA is right here in Kiev, and then weird, all these bombs start happening, and they keep blaming it on Russia. Now, is it not Russia? I don't know. Oops. New York Times, of all places, just it just exposed that the CIA is on the ground in Ukraine. Oh, that's that was there we go. So that is the YouTube channel that just started in the background that I hadn't changed. Okay, now we're back on track. Funny enough, none of that had to do with the OBS difference, but important to understand that what's happening in Ukraine. I, you cannot miss the CIA coordination from what's always been happening in Ukraine. It's so incredibly important to understand that they've been building this for a long time. Now, does that prove that the bombs hitting in Kiev are not Russian? No, but we need to understand there's much more happening here. And if you don't have any evidence that it's coming from Russia and Ukraine's military and government and, and the mayors and everybody involved have been caught many times in a very short period of time already lying about this, caught killing Ukrainians and blaming it on Russia over and over. I'm not talking about the claims they want to dispute. I'm talking about verifiable things they've had to admit or, you know, just things like Ghost of Kiev or Snake Island or the endless amount of fake news stories they just step away from and act like they're not doing. Now, to, in the interest of time, let's get back to it. So let's start today, and let, let me know in the chat, by the way, if everything's good on YouTube side. Somebody was saying the audio was a little low. Uh, doesn't appear to be on my end, but let me know. So let's start off today getting into a, one interesting point that I thought you would really want to hear. And this is something that is pretty frustrating. I mean, not just frustrating, it's, it's damn insulting to our intelligence, because of what it shows you. Now, first, if this has to do, I'm going to make a point about Assange. But first, just to make the point that ref, that brought this to my attention, thank you, Doom, for pointing this out. As he, as he again, posted another great Back to the Future meme. I love these. Hey, I've seen this one. Guess what it's referring to? Breaking! Ghislaine Maxwell's been put on suicide watch. Now, this was on the 25th, so it's two days ago. It's not new in, you know, the, the 24-hour news cycle madness. But... It's interesting in the context of the previous stories around the Epstein did not kill himself meme and discussion, which is, I mean, one of the most ridiculous stories of all time with cameras going out and people sleeping. And I mean, it's just what a joke. And that's while we were going, oh, it's about to happen. And then it actually did happen. It's just it's crazy. But this is interesting because who knows what's going to happen? Maybe it's just to go look over there and stop paying attention to how we're clumsily messing up every single narrative we're involved in speaking as the U.S. government. But here's the thing that stood out to me. I, I, this actually really bothered me a lot. On Suicide Watch, may seek sentencing delay. Here's what it says. If Mrs. Maxwell remains on Suicide Watch, is, it, it is prohibited from renewing legal materials prior to sentencing, becomes sleep-deprived, and is denied sufficient time to meet and with confer with counsel, will be formally moving the mon to, on Monday for an adjournment. Says attorney Bob Steinharm wrote in a letter to the circuit judge, Maxwell, 61, hasn't been able to properly prepare because officials at a Brooklyn federal prison abruptly put her in solitary confinement. Oh, no. And informed her that she was on suicide watch on Friday. You know, oh, no, it's, it's so terrible that this pedophile and sexual trafficker, which is not up for debate, guys, is quibbling about being in solitary confinement so she can't think clearly and can't get her stuff done. Does that draw, does that draw a parallel to anything else happening? Julian Assange, maybe? The fact that nobody seems to care that this person has been tortured and attacked and, social, and psychologically manipulated for years? Put, on, put on, on, in, in solitary confinement? In a situation where he's not even accused of actually committing a violent crime? 
I mean, come on. This is so incredibly frustrating. It says, as part of her suicide watch, her regular clothes, toothpaste, soap, and papers were taken away. Oh, so she's had them up until then. That's a benefit. You don't see Julian Assange having that access, do you? Maxwell was put on suicide watch, though she's not suicidal, according to her attorney. A psychologist evaluated Maxwell and backed up that assessment. So why is it happening then? That seems a little bit ridiculous, doesn't it? Epstein, Maxwell's one-time boyfriend, just had to stick this in there, seeing as how this has nothing to do with this article. Epstein killed himself in a jail cell back in a way to No, he did not. In fact, what ultimately happened here, well, I shouldn't say that. I've always maintained that that's certainly one of the possibilities, but by all accounts, it was either driven into happening because, you know, threatening, you better kill yourself, or or allowed, or, you know, d- framed that way. I mean, with everything that happened around that story, it's childlike to pretend that we know what happened there. And that they just happened to kill himself in a position where every single action was taken to where that's not possible. When you're on suicide watch, like Epstein... Like we remember, all the things in your room and the sheets you wear, all this stuff. Supposedly he uses a sheet and hangs himself off of his bed with things that are not supposed to be possible. I mean, guys, this is childish. But make sure they jam that in your face. Just in case you forgot, here's our narrative. She and her attorneys have complained about the conditions in her incarceration since she was first arrested. Oh no, shouldn't we just feel bad for her? With complaints that she was subjected to strip searches and awakened every 15 minutes. Yeah, maybe all the children you raped might be okay with that. Yeah, just my thought. But, you know, let's be clear about how frustrating this is that this person is they're writing articles about how she's suffering in jail. This is un, I mean, I just it makes my it literally makes my face turn red how fr- much that frustrates me that they these people where yet where where where's Mark at here talking about Julian Assange in this context? Right. I mean, you go off this forever, but in the interest of time, I just wanted to make that point now. Oh, by the way, here is uh, Nils Melzer who is repeatedly, this is from 2020, but repeatedly told people what's been happening to this person. UN torture envoy calls for immediate release of Julian Assange on the 10th anniversary of the rest. He's not a criminal and poses no threat to anyone. Yeah, but, you know, that's, that's what happens when the person in charge of deciding whether it's happening speaks up. Absolutely nothing if the right people are involved. And, of course, on top of that, Julian Assange is a victim of torture and inhumane treatment. This is directly coming from Nils Melsner. But yeah, but let's care about whether she's got her toothpaste toothpaste, and, you know, can't sleep properly. I really care about that. Now, by the way, just to be clear, the emotional point aside, everybody has rights, even gross people like her. The bottom line, though, is that to compare it to what they're doing to Julian Assange, it, it is a travesty of justice, just to make sure that's clear. Now, on the point of Roe versus Wade, to start this off on a point that I think is, is important— There's a couple of things that people are intentionally and then just maybe, you know, accidentally unawares, misunderstanding or conflating. One of them is protesting what's happening right now is only for one reason, to make your statement known, to make a loud, splashy, stompy statement about how we don't agree with this. Now, that's fine. You have every right to do that. That is your legal right to stand up and protest or rather it technically wouldn't even be well, yeah, protesting the action. You know, we're, we, we're st- screaming and blocking this and doing that for, you know, to make a statement about how we don't agree with how this happened. But that's it. There's, no, there's not even a legal process by which this can be changed back. This has to go through another vote. You understand that's what's frustrating about my question here is, you know, to what end are you protesting right now? Because if your statement is just because I want to make a statement about why I don't agree, then I would be like, good for you. 
But that's not what's happening. A lot of these people are out there acting like they're going to enact change. They're gonna, we're going to affect change by stopping this and, and scaring these people and breaking into windows, and which, by the way, has happened to some degree, just like you could argue it happened in some small degree at January 6th and other places. But the bottom line is that there's no real end game here. And the other thing, which I'll get to in a minute, is that as much as this is going to offend people, and this is the frustrating reality of where we are in the world today, that facts are offensive if they so choose, but it's a fact, so that's an incredibly ridiculous thing to do where you're not allowed to speak facts because somebody may be offended by it, which is the fact that abortion is not a constitutional right. Now, I, I'm, I'll, I'll reiterate my stance on this again, but the bottom line is, because no matter what I say, people are going to tr- intentionally take this out of context because this is such an emotionally driven point, discussion, t- topic. It's not a constitutional right. Now, there's arguments about how it can be, con- you know, con- can, uh, seen that way by saying, well, because of this and liberty and it can be mis, you know, we can argue that. Well, but if you're lost, you know, from a legal perspective, which is the point, it's not. It's not a constitutional right. You could argue that it may be included in some broader way of current rights, and that's to be debated. And again, you can't say, I'm right, you're wrong. You can say, I disagree with you, and here's why. And then have to walk away accepting that they can have their own opinion because technically, legally, it's not a constitutional right. That's important. Now, you could argue it's a human right. Now, I may disagree for my own reasons, but again, it becomes very subjective. Now, first point here. I said, and this is a, a, twe- a uh, tweet, yeah, Twitter post. Protests break out across the U.S. after Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. Oh, and that's really the third point, too, is to remember that the only thing that's happening here it's amazing. I, we have to reiterate these basic realities because corporate media are the ones in misinforming everybody is that this is not changing anything other than the states are the ones that now make the decision. Now, people can be upset and, and rightly so because it changes things that were that have been static for a long time. So now some plenty of states, I think it was Missouri and I think Mississippi, a lot of them are starting to do limitations. None of them I can tell are saying completely off the table. They're simply adding things. Even Missouri, there was one. There's, there's. It's very difficult, but there's. It's still on the table. But the point was, oh, is I just what was it, the? Shoot, I just totally lost my train of thought. The third one was ultimately. Come on. Well, back to this point. I'm sure it'll pop into my mind. The point. So first one was here that it's not that you're not going to affect change. It's not a constitutional right. And that's, that's what it was, thank God. That, so at, at the state level, they're now making their own decisions, which I agree with from a constitutional standpoint. Purely constitutional. To agree with the fact that it's constitutional to allow states to enact their own laws as opposed to the federal government dictating it for the country, which is simply the reality of what this country was supposed to be, is just a fact. That's not even to get into whether or not I agree with it from a religious level or from a personal level or from any other point. You have to just acknowledge that is the fact. It's always supposed to have been states' rights. The, Consti- the, the federal government was always supposed to be limited in only protecting the Constitution. And the point is, on top of all of that, that many times, the one I reference is Marbury versus Madison, that if, if a law or anything happens that is repugnant to the Constitution, it's simply null and void. And that's the point. So from a foundational standpoint, anything that goes forward from there needs to be in line with the basic tenets that they've outlined. Now, that hasn't always happened, has it? There's plenty of things you can point at that are simply, and those things should be null and void based on that logic and the Constitution. 
The problem today is this all gets conflated. Everybody plays games with what these things actually mean because of politics. There are rights and there are laws, right? I mean, Roe versus Wade was a precedent even further. That's not even a law. The point is even precedents have been used to undermine constitutional rights. Again, not even to talk about my personal feelings on whether I think these specific topics, you know, th- those are very different things. We need to be able to differentiate. So here, now I'm realizing I'm taking all this time. It's hard not to have this conversation in depth. But I'll come back to some of these points. Let's focus on this one. It simply rolls back the issue of the states, which I said right there. So in protesting this entirely legal process, which it is, regardless of your stance, it was legal. This is how the process is supposed to go. It just didn't go the way that they agree with in a pretty flagrant way or pretty uh, contentious way. But it says, what do you aim to accomplish? And I really wanted an answer, but unfortunately, I didn't really get anybody in there because they don't think I'm genuine, probably. I said, I hope someone can give me an honest, unemotional response because I'm genuinely trying to understand the motives of those just peacefully protesting. Because that's all I was asking. People out there with their signs that are just standing there protesting peacefully. I want to know what they think they're trying to accomplish in this specific context. Regardless, you have a right to protest. So I'm not even suggesting otherwise. But there was really no response to, to get into, I want, except for some of the points I'm going to make here. And this is the frustrating part about the contradiction. This person says, imagine the states being left to decide vaccine mandates, gun rights, freedom of speech, rights, privacy rights. Okay, so first of all, vaccine mandates shouldn't even be in that same list. But this person says, don't become the hypocrite you rail against. What's frustrating, though, is that gun rights, Second Amendment, you know, these are, these are constitutional rights, freedom of speech, privacy, right? Illegal search and seizures. These are not things that can be altered. They're inalienable. Whether or not they end up illegally changing them with new things, that's null and void. The point is your government is the one that's going away from the Constitution, not you. But the idea that states are supposed to be ruling on laws is the point. But his argument is he doesn't understand what he's talking about. To argue that the states can step in and just be like, okay, no more Second Amendment, they don't understand the Constitution. And that's not what's happening here. Because you see they're conflating precedent, really, with constitutional rights. That's intentional. So I said, maybe you're not watching my show. The states should be deciding laws. Laws. However, as I outlined in the show, constitutional rights, which abortion is not, are inalienable. Supreme Court has also ruled that any law repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. My logic is consistent. You may not like it. At least, at least I think so. But again, this certain, I could, maybe, maybe it is hypocritical. But I still stand by the contradiction there. So this, he just simply says, so consistent. I'll give you that. So, so consistent. If you think states should have the power to dictate what a person can and cannot do with their body, that is anything but consistent. And there you go, guys. So this person who has the, the, the gall to stand up and, and call me a hypocrite in public has not even watched the show that he thinks he's referring to. Because as I said, and you heard, I emphatically stated that the government should not have any say over our bodies. Period. Because it's just frustrating that this, the, even the people that think they're trying to argue, or whether he watched somebody else's show who said I said that, and they just trust that person stupidly and come out and attack me without doing their due diligence, this is how this goes. And it's such a waste of time. I says, I really hope you watch the show and just miss that part, because if you didn't watch it and just jump to conclusions, well, that would be pretty ridiculous. And then, of course, no response. No, hey, my bad, you're right, I did watch it, and you did say that, and now I look like an idiot. Nope. None of that, which, again, rarely happens even with honest people. Oh, I shouldn't have included this one. It's the same point. It's, this is just the same tweet framed a different way because I wanted people to engage in the conversation. But again, he just he literally calls me, frankly, a hypocrite. 
which again, just reiterate the same thing. I guess you missed that part. Now, here's another person that reached out to me via comment on the website. Abortion. Logic. A, there is no inherent right to take life from another person. Well, I don't think anybody could disagree with that. B, children in utero are people. Well, again, that's debatable, isn't it? Now, there's plenty of other things to debate. Like, in, in, I'm not even, get, even getting into my perspective, but whether they're, utero, whether they're children before they come out of the womb in general is, is debatable. I have my opinions, but I'm saying people will debate that. That's why it's saying it's debatable. The bottom line, though, which I always come back to, is it's inside that person's body. So until it, become, until it comes out of that person's body, I will always argue that they have the choice. As much as I may be offended by that choice, as much as I may think it's disgusting, as, may, as much as I may say, for crying out loud, you can hear its heartbeat, you can see it moving. Okay, these are all emotional points. Even though we're talking about a life, it is still an emotional point. It's inside that person's body. I mean, I just think this is, it becomes very abstract when you try to dictate what is life and at what point it becomes it. I mean, what about, what about all the cells in your body and the different life forms and on your it's microscopic? I mean, it's, I get it. That's ridiculous. But I'm just saying that people have different perspectives. So in the point when we simply argue that they are, again, that is the part where people disagree with. And if you just simply go, well, you're wrong because I'm the right one morally and everything else, and then just decide that person doesn't have a choice or an opinion because they have not aligned with your opinion, that makes you the person that's having a problem. You should be able to accept somebody else's opinion no matter how contrasting it is with yours or how bad choice of word, or no matter how much it conflicts with your choice. But you see, people can't accept that today. We've been so charged up with the idea of moral superiority, especially with foreign policy, that we just accept it. Oh, it's okay. We can literally starve that entire country to death because freedom, you know, because something they're arbitrarily, our government says they're arbitrarily doing, somehow inflicts on our, uh, you know, infringes on our national security. In what way? Who cares? Shut up about it. Didn't, didn't you know Venezuela is a national security risk that Obama stated a long time ago? In what way? But we're sure as hell starving people all over the world based on that moral superiority or the way that they present it. Okay, go to number C. No person, including the person carrying the child in utero, has a right to take the life of said child. Now, this is, again, the idea of coming from a, you know, one stance, arguing that. He's saying now illogical, quote, number A, or letter A, there is no inherent right to take life from another person. B, Ryan believes, and here's where it gets ridiculous, Apparently he knows what I believe, and I've never even expressed this verbally, and except for just a moment ago, right? Never before today have I even state, talked about this talk, con, uh, concept. Ryan believes a child in utero is a person, and it's wrong for himself to take its life. Just to be clear, I've never even talked about that before, so he apparently can read my mind. So this is where it gets ridiculous, because he's, he's assuming based on other points I've made. Immediately, the moment you begin to assume, you're an idiot. Ryan believes a child in utero is a person and it's wrong for himself to take its life. Now, I do believe that a life inside of you matters and that ultimately if you try to take that life, that it would be not the right thing to do. That's my opinion for my life. And I agree. I feel that way. But to argue that my personal beliefs, whether religious, moral, anything, should have to be forced on you because I've already decided that way, no matter how sound you think it is, is ridiculous. I don't even understand why we can't have that conversation. I do. It's because of politics. It's because we're being divided. But my God. It goes on to say, see, a person carrying a child in utero who doesn't believe the child is a person should have the right. You see, now this is the problem. Are you really arguing that you're saying, you're saying because I believe the child that you over there, who is not my body, should for, be forced to do what, we, what I believe is right? 
Now, I understand the problem of somebody especially very religious who thinks that it's your obligation to save that life. Now, you can have that argument, but from a legal standpoint, which is where we are, not emotional, not subjective, not religious, legal, that's the simple reality. And I can't stand how we get into this whole situation. But it says, if, person, if personhood is subjective, then the inherent rights you claim as a person are worthless and subjective. But it's not subjective. There are medical terms, there are legal discussions, and these things are there. Now, if you disagree with them, then you, what do they always say? Well, get out there and vote and make a change and all the nonsense they spit. The bottom line is you don't get to decide where that line is drawn. I do. She does. The person who is making the decision does. Now, that may be hard for people to understand. They want you to say, it's either all or nothing. That's what they want from you. And I don't believe most people are in that position. But then it comes down to, to compare to the vaccine, which, again, as my, even in contradiction to my own personal belief, I am standing by the idea that it is choice that matters. Couldn't get more consistent than that. But he says, the vaccine is dangerous and offers zero benefit to those who take it. Well, that's my opinion. And I think the science backs that up. But you see, now we're getting into subjective territory again. Through a deftly executed campaign of lies and deception, the government has convinced people that they should take it. In fact, that the shot is medicine, it's not that it's, you know, basically that they should do it. But to see, people who have been deceived by that lie should have the right to do it. Exactly. You can, pl- yes. The idea that you think because you know better is exactly as stupid as the people in reverse that think you should wear a mask. I don't understand why they can't see that. Or the person that says that you shouldn't be allowed to take it is just as stupid as people saying you have to take it. Now, look, I have my opinion, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty soundly standing on the point that these aren't very safe at all. In fact, nobody should. I'll happily scream that to you, and I'll show you the science, but it's your choice. But he says, Ryan, every day you prove the deceit, yet continue to suggest people have a right to do something they would never do if told the truth. Yeah, well, you know what? They have been told the truth, and they're making their own decision. You see, this is the problem. These kind of people I don't think will ever get past the idea that it's not their decision to make. They're standing on their moral superiority. Now, this is where it comes into the idea of that rights conversation. Plenty of, of, of representatives, people in Congress, people in government are standing up and saying this right now. Women's rights are human rights. Now, what about men's rights? Is there such a thing as men's rights? Oh, it doesn't apply, right? Because there's no reproductive. Well, she's not saying reproductive rights. She's saying women's rights. But of course, that's generally what they frame them as. Women's rights are talking about whatever. That, that's how they use that term. But I'm just trying to make a point about how rights are supposed to be universal, right? It's not about, well, if you're pregnant, this and that. It's about life. Right? It's about crime. It's about law. It's about human, what's the right term to use there? Not just law, but ultimately, I can't think of the right word that's not necessarily law. The constitutional rights, again, just God-given. These are inherent concepts that are all kind of framed as law, but ultimately supersede any human law. That's the idea. You could disagree with that, and you know what? If you don't like it, then vote it away, huh? How do you like that? But the point here, and I don't agree with that, is that women's rights are human's rights. Now, what are we talking about? What are human rights? What are women's rights? Well, most of the rights that are, all the rights that are constitutional rights are enshrined in the Constitution and apply equally to everybody. What they're talking about are precedent, are rulings, are things that have changed over time based on our perceptions and our growing understanding of different things. And yeah, those things matter, but not the way that they're framing it. Here's another one. Women in Texas shouldn't have fewer rights than women in Minnesota. That's not what's happening. 
right? So Minnesota is a place that's already changed this. Now, as again, remember, as I read, I went through this the other day, you can still get an abortion in Minnesota. There's just much more limitations on it. Now, that comes down to subjective opinion. Because they may believe it's not, it's, it becomes a life at this point, and they draw the line and say, well, now you can't do it after this point. And now there's other people saying, well, I want to still be able to kill it after that point. Okay, well, that's, that's your decision. You're right. Now, again, this is where I come back to the idea that the states shouldn't be dictating this for people. I still stand by that, right? That's what's so frustrating. That's why I guess these people can't hear that, is that it, I, it, it, as much as I have a different opinion— it's, I'm not saying states should make this ruling. I'm saying what's happened from this is that states have now been allowed to do it, and that is a step in the right direction away from federal government mandating, ruling everything in your life, which should have never been the case. So now the states are making these decisions. That's a step in the right direction constitutionally. From a personal perspective, from, from human rights perspectives, I just don't think the government should ever, in any case, be able to tell you what you do in your life and your body. Period. But what she's saying is that because they made that change, it's just a change, it's more restrictive, that they have fewer rights. But remember, it's not a right. It's just not, and I'll get to that next. Now, that bothers people, but these are just facts, guys. So for them to stand up and act like this changes anything other than a shift of precedent is dishonest. But it's not surprising to see politicians being dishonest, right? That's what they do. But here's a guy responding to that, and this just shows you the, the endless... Forever per- perpetual battle. Babies in Minnesota shouldn't have fewer rights than babies in Texas. That's a retort to what she just said. All right, so women should, in Texas shouldn't have fewer rights. You know, neither of these things are true, by the way, but this is the point. This is the battle. Right, so from his religious perspective, he's saying, well, babies shouldn't have fewer rights. We shouldn't be allowed them to kill there and be allowed to live there. And there you go. Stalemate. Forever. Because they're never going to come to a middle ground. Because they've decided you're a murderer. They've decided you're you're a... Uh, uh, attacking human rights or, you know, whatever they frame it as. It becomes ridiculous and it never ends. And that's the point of these type of wedge issues. And that's exactly why this decision was leaked well before it happened, because they wanted this to build right up in, right up until, until the elections, right? But here's the bottom line. And you can look this up for yourself. I mean, there's plenty of arguments about this. Oh, son of a gun. Pretty sure I had that highlighted. Well, in any case, let's go through the top. It basically says... The living constitution argument is often used by pro-abortionists. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's that's. There was the part. Damn, it was intermittent. I'll try to go do it quickly. As former U.S. President Barack Obama once asserted, I remain committed to protecting women's right to choose, and this fundamental constitutional right. Okay, well, that's quite a deceptive statement, right? A woman's right to choose is quite a bit different than a fund. First of all, the right to an abortion. But the bottom line is it's always should be a right to choose, right? Not that they should dictate the law around it all. It should be their, it's ultimately their choice until it leaves, you know, in this, from a legal standpoint, again, my, I made my stance clear that I don't agree with it in general, but until the baby leaves their body, kind of an idea, it's no longer their body. It's now something separate. That's what a lot of people would draw the line at. But I understand that's offensive to a lot of people. But the problem is you need to be able to engage with other people's opinions, no matter how offensive you may think they are, to understand where people are coming from. But that's not what's happening today. But back to this point, he's saying that the, the, this right does not actually exist. The Supreme Court literally conjured it out of thin air in its efforts to justify the most illogical, sloppy written opinion that is ever produced. Now, that's this person's opinion. But it is ultimately a pre- the Supreme Court ruling, which is a precedent, which is not law. It's, it, it's used that way, but that's a way that in a lot of historical times it's undermined the Constitution. But that's, this is, that's, the bre- that's where this comes from. 
Let me try to just jump to the main part because I am taking too long here. So the Constitution does not explicitly mention any right to privacy. In line with decisions, however, and this was the ruling on Roe versus Wade, the court has recognized that a right of person. By the way, that's not true. That's ridiculous. That's not true at all. I mean, the word maybe when you're talking about the word private, it's to say it doesn't explicitly mention privacy. When you're talking about search, illegal search and seizure, that's exactly what that is. They're just trying to play, in my opinion, trying to broaden this out to, to, to shoehorn this in in, 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 what, in the ruling. But if you have an amendment for talking about no illegal search and seizure, that's exactly what that's discussing. You can't find another example of something that's outlining, without saying the word abortion, the idea of killing a baby in uterus. In utero, I think. You see the difference? Does exi- it says, but it says, uh, however, the court has recognized that a right of personal privacy does exist under the Constitution, obviously. In varying contexts, the court or individual justices have indeed found at least the roots of the right of the First Amendment in uh, if the Bill of Rights. It says, in his dissent, he wrote, with all due differ- uh, deference, I can find no such general right of privacy in the Bill of Rights or any other part of the Constitution or in any case before deciding by this court, which is ridiculous. Damn it, I wish I wouldn't have lost the highlighting on this. Well, anyway, the bottom line is, guys, is this, this does not translate into a constitutional right. There is nothing in the Constitution that outlines this. Now, you could argue that, you know, like the, what they're getting at, the pursuit of liberty and happiness. You know, these are very broad ideas that you could say that that's within that concept. But it's not defined. So this is why it becomes an argument. This is why it becomes a debate. And that's what we should be doing. Right? And that's why this process is going the way that it is. Because it's not defined, and plenty of people had argue, have argued differently the entire time. But see, this, is, this gets even more abstract. Check this out. Jennifer Tube, law professor and author of Big Dirty Money, Jewish law, Jewish law makes clear that a fetus is not a life, and abortion is health care. See this clear explanation by the National Council of Jewish Women. Okay, why does that matter exactly? Is there Christian law? Does that apply to, does that supersede American U.S. law? Was I unaware of that, that religious law supersedes national law? Right. Apparently only when it's Jewish law. Right. I mean, how do you even make this argument? That, that your religious law, I mean, understand that there's a difference between the, the religious aspect of this and how that applies to all sorts of things that are respected within the law. But not the idea that you can say, well, because Christianity says that we can kill somebody, that therefore that supersedes the law. That's just ridiculous. But that's what she's saying, that because my Jewish law says that I can do that, you're not allowed to do that to me. Well, no, that's not how that works. This person simply says misleading in a lot of different ways. But I'm a Jewish American woman, she says. Supreme Court just took away my religious liberty and personal autonomy. Nope, didn't happen. Simply did not happen. Now, even if you want to argue that the state did that, well, that's still not the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court simply said the federal government's no longer deciding this. End. That's all. That's all that happened. So she's either doesn't understand what just happened, which speaks to her intelligence, or is lying. Or is taking what the corporate media says is happening like a lot of people are, which speaks to intelligence. But the point is, nobody in the Supreme Court took away anything from you. And just because Jewish law says that something is different, that does not affect the law in this country. find that pretty interesting. But this person says, like, just same point, Supreme Court did no such thing. It returned the issue to the states, where until 1973 it was being worked out. Je- don't like yesterday's decision? Amend the Constitution, though it's tougher than getting a five-justice majority. Right? This is the kind of, I, this, I, it's just so silly, this argument, they go back and forth. And it's always funny how one side will say, no, just go through the process. 
right? Do you, do you don't go out there and attack things and fight people. Go out there and politically change things. Yeah, it's meaningless and impossible today. It's meant to be that way. They don't care what you think, and frankly, I don't think it even has an effect. Whether just like our ridiculous Santa Claus for adults voting system, but. At here, what we're staring at is the idea that this is what goes back and forth. Now they're telling them, just go through the process. And they're going, no, we don't stand by it. We're going to go to the streets. So it's, when it happens on the other side and the Republicans are saying, that's not fair. That didn't happen. They cheated, blah, blah, blah. They say, just go through the process and vote somebody else in. And they say, that's not fair. We're going to go to the streets. It's a terrorism. White supremacy. And you can see how stupid that is. And it's the same thing. And by the way, now it's happening in reverse. Like I made clear in my last two shows. I'll make, I'll make one more point in a minute about that. Oh, it's insurrection, is it? Look at all those people protesting in front of the Supreme Court. Insurrection! You guys are walking right into it. It's amazing. But this person says, what then is the point of having a constitution that grants equal rights and a federal government tasked with ensuring them? I don't even understand the question. So the Supreme Court didn't change anything. It returned to the states, which is how the Constitution was originally designed. States' rights, federal government, as they're even outlining right here, tasked with simply ensuring those constitutional rights. So what's the point of having a Constitution that grants equal rights? Which, by the way, that's, I mean, not exactly how that's supposed to be stated, right? There are states' rights, right? So there are, well, no, I take it back. You see, this is where this gets so convoluted. But here's the, here's the, the part that this is confusing. We're not talking about rights. We're talking about abortion, which is not a right. It's not a constitutional right. Simple. Now, that can offend you, it's, but it is a fact. So when we say, what's the point of having a constitution that grants equal rights? Well, that's the point. But abortion is not within that. So the federal government tasked with ensuring them is still, by the way, challenging that in and of itself. But because this person thinks that abortion was the right on the constitution because they listened to somebody or however you want to go about that, they then don't understand that that's not what's happening. It's, 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 it's this, this guys is because of the corporate media. They, they, I mean, they are the biggest misinformers on the planet and they continue to, to aggressively funnel people into misinformed positions over and over and over and over. Now, here's the point I was just making. This came out from some, I've never even heard of this place before, but apparently they got like 500,000 followers, BNN newsroom breaking. The Pentagon has stated that any abortion laws enacted as a result of the Supreme Court's decision will not be recognized. I mean, it doesn't even make sense if you understand what is happening. And that's why this tweet was then either deleted by them or Twitter made them take it down, which I never stand by censorship, but I do believe it was a disinformation. And of course, this person, who I forget who, you know, they're blue checks, they're probably some prominent Republican, says, sounds a lot like an insurrection. <laughs> probably just being facetious, but it, you're still exactly what they want from you. You just walked right into it. Maybe you meant to. Either way... An insurrection? I mean, what a stupid thing to say. But now it's just, that's the point, guys, is you've opened the door. Anybody anywhere that is challenging the government is now, at least, even jokingly, an insurrect, a terrorist, insurrectionist. Over and over and over it goes. But here's what actually happened. Well, for, well here, first of all, here's what they, here's the Wayback Machine. The Pentagon has stated that any abortion laws enacted as a result of Supreme Court's decision will not be recognized. Well, there's discussion to be had about whether the Pentagon or military bases, for that matter, within states necessarily have to abide by certain rules. I mean, that even overseas, that changes quite a bit. But that aside, the Pentagon stating that abortion laws enacted by the Supreme Court, that's not what happened. 
Like that's that's fundamentally stupid that they didn't enact laws enacted as a oh excuse me I take it back so there that's me jumping the gun laws enacted as a result the Supreme Court won't be recognized so that they're talking about the states so the point being that when the states because of this ruling decide to alter their laws or update their laws change their laws they're saying that the Pentagon wouldn't recognize them. Well, that's not the Pentagon's. Op- that's not the Pentagon's, right? Now, this could be if this did was actually stated, which it wasn't. That would be a big deal. That would be the Pentagon simply saying, "We don't care what what the Supreme Court says. We don't care what the states rule. We don't care what the law is." Which, by the way, is actually pretty no- on the nose about what they are always doing. But that's not the point we're making. Then it goes on to list what they actually said, and you read it for yourself. It's not even close to what is listed. That's why it's not in quotes. But here is what actually happened. This is June twenty fifth. Defense Department to keep access to reproductive health care after Roe versus Wade's end. Now, the point to keep access to health care means nothing is changing and not even in the sense where nothing is changing means some kind of a challenge. They're going to maintain what they've always done. And, and that's what is going to continue. Let me, let me let me explain. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Friday that the Pentagon is working to ensure that members of the military, their families and its civilian employees will still have access to reproductive health care after this decision. Okay, well, that's literally everywhere. Literally every state, even the ones you were pointing at who have made aggressive restrictions, still have access to reproductive health care. Okay, so, that's, so this is just being intentionally misconstrued for people that don't understand what's happening. In the tweet, I mean. This goes on to say why it matters. The Defense Department currently does not have a policy to accommodate service members or employees who are seeking an abortion but are stationed in a state that has outlawed abortion, which hasn't happened. As far as I can tell, unless there's new things that I missed today, currently does not have a policy to accommodate them. Okay, that's what the article is saying, why it matters. And that's why that's being misunderstood, because yet again, here's the corporate media perfectly and intentionally in the exact, in very specific ways misinforming people. Here's what the next thing says. Federal law, not state law, federal law currently allows military medical facilities to provide abortions only in cases of rape, incest, or if a woman's life is in danger. While the military's health program is allowed to cover abortions at private facilities for those same reasons only. That's it. Federal law, military medical facilities. We're not talking about the states, hospitals, and we're all, and right now the law only dictates that they're even only allowed to let this happen in those specific cases. So that's more restrictive than what we're seeing in everywhere else. So now they stand up and say, well, look, we're going to maintain our already restricted allowances. And that gets misconstrued intentionally, even by this statement here, to the people reading it. It's, he's where he says, quote, I am committed to taking care of our people and ensuring the readiness and resilience of our force. Whatever that's, you know, the department is examining the decision closely and evaluating our policies to ensure we continue to provide seamless access to reproductive health care as, as permitted by federal law. So that, that's, we're going to do what we're told to do. We're going to do what the law says. We're going to do what our, we're going to closely evaluate our policies to ensure we continue to provide access to reproductive health care, which doesn't only mean abortions, guys. So that is being lied to, and that's probably why it was deleted. Or that's being lied about. Excuse me. The big picture: the court's decision may further strain the military's recruitment op- effort. Excuse me, already hampered by low employment and other factors, as potential recruits may fear being stationed in states that have banned abortions, according to Bloomberg. So it's unnecessary fear. Now, let's just say you're stationed in a place that has not, again, let me know in the chat. Is there a place that has outright banned abortions anywhere? 
I have not seen that unless there's been changes. The first ones we pointed at were very restrictive, but there were still allowances for this to happen. And I would also argue, by the way, that people, a state that would make that ruling, of course, very clearly undermines a lot of people in their state. Like even Republican states, there are plenty of people that even Republicans would argue just to some degree, not all of them, that there should be some level rape, incest, all the things we just talked about. Right. That's even from a Republican standpoint. So where's this conversation coming from, mostly from the left, to argue that they're being banned? There's politics driving all of this, guys. But worry about being stationed in an area where that's happening. Well, look, we already just went over this. Federal law is what they're being they're going by in their military facilities. And already they're only allowing for those three things. So women being stationed there, that won't be a problem unless they're raped, incest, or their life is in danger. None of those things happen very often in the context of this conversation. Well, I take that back. I was going to say in a, in a, when you factor in the statistics, but in military which is pretty horrific, as I understand that it's far, far more common, especially for women, to be abused. But in any case, regardless of how prevalent it is, it's not the same guidelines. Anyway, the, the, it's frustrating how much this gets misconstrued, intentionally so. Now, here's the next part of this, which I find very interesting, and I almost think this is meant to be inflammatory. Like, why would you make this statement with all that's going on, even if you stand by it, which it seems that he does? So Orwell's saying Missouri has asked to ban it, so I guess it hasn't happened yet, so why are they saying that, if that's the case? So let me know. But June 24th, Clarence Thomas is saying that gay rights, contraception rulings, not that, not like, see, this is how this already gets misconstrued, as if he's going to remove gay rights. It's the same kind of thing we're talking about, that all they're trying to do in any of these rulings is essentially roll these back to the states. So none of these things are actually changing anything with their ruling other than the states can then step in and do that. So that's in, and that's they just argue that that's the problem. But think, think about it this way. If you're rolling this back and a aggressively Republican state decides to change this based on the way that they lean politically. Now, how do we know that the state doesn't agree with that? Right. How do we know that this Democrat politician that's saying they should have the same rights over there as they do over there? How do you know the people in that state don't agree with what just happened? Shouldn't we ask them? Shouldn't we have polls? But see, this is the problem. They've decided from a moral stance that you don't get to decide that, that we've already made this clear. But you see, that's the problem. It should be decided by people in that state. But if it's not, and the governor makes this statement and passes this law, and it challenges what most people want in that state, well, that's not okay, and that should be dealt with. And those things need to be exposed. Problem is here is that he's saying that the gay rights ruling, contraception rulings, should be reconsidered. And it's the same point, but it's already being misconstrued as, he's attacking gay rights! Nope, it's not what's happening. So we're just children, it seems, in the two-party paradigm. But here's the interesting part for me. They're, they're going after this like this is some long-term nefarious plan by Republicans. Now, you could argue that. You may even be right. But here's the frustrating part about how they're so willfully ignorant to their own actions, so hypocritical, double standards everywhere. They say, this is the tack that conservative lawmakers took in multiple states. Essentially, I'll go back real quick. It says, his recommendations considers a trio of decisions, but it says, but this is an implicit invitation to conservative lawmakers in individual states to pass legislation that might run afoul of the Supreme Court's past decisions. Well, isn't that their right? How dare they pass law that... Tries to like see the fact that you have Democrats t- passing laws in the direction of things they want to change. That's totally okay, you see, because they are morally right. 
But here, because you got conservative lawmakers passing state legislation that goes afoul of the rulings of before because they think them right, maybe their people agree with them. Maybe their states agree. You see, again, that's the real thing we're looking at here. But they're saying because that might happen with an eye towards having the court potentially reverse those rulings. They say this is a tact, attack that conservative lawmakers took in multiple states where for years they passed restrictive abortion laws in the hopes that a challenge to them would reach the Supreme Court and open the door for federal abortion rights to be overturned as a result. The way they discuss this is meant to be that it's a bad thing. You may think that. You may be right. But how is that different than exactly on the, on the surface what Democrat politicians are doing about the Second Amendment? It's also a again, not a constitutional right in this case. It's a constitutional right in regard to the Second Amendment. But let's just even say it was a constitutional right to make it more the same exact point. Democrats, in, by and large, have been rallying against the Second Amendment forever. I mean, they just passed gun legislation that, that directly undermines your constitutional rights. They just don't agree that that's the... They, even, they, in fact, even point to the Second Amendment and say, oh, it's archaic and it's old and from a different time. You don't get to do that. You don't get to subjectively start chipping away at this because of your opinion on what it should be or what times are different. They're inalienable. They're timeless. The problem here is that they are unwilling to look at it differently. And if it really came down to it and they were forced to make a statement, they would, be, they would say because that one's right, because that one saves lives. Well, you know what? People that are doing this believe what they're doing is saving lives. Doesn't that matter? But nope, doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter because you're too dumb. You're too ignorant. You're too whatever. You don't understand. It's always subjective. I just think that ultimately... One is, one, one is an effort to stop people from having guns. One is an effort to stop people from having abortions, right? They both argue that these are about saving lives. The only difference in, in this is that one is a constitutional right that's inalienable and generally infringed. The other is a precedent. But regardless, even if it's not that, the point is that you can see why both sides think they're right. And both sides think they're doing the right thing. And really, both sides are being puppeted along by people that don't care about either of those things and just want to restrict your rights. But regardless, to argue that this is some kind of malicious tact because they're doing that, they're going, th so you mean by doing things legally through the right process, by passing laws and putting people in positions they were secretly trying, that's exactly how it's the process supposed to go. It's only nefarious and evil and bad when the bad guys do it. it this is your foreign policy amongst ourselves on full display. They're bad because we say they're bad. Republicans are bad because they say they're bad because they're pedophiles. It's, all, it's just these subjective points. Is, are they some, are rooted in truth in some way? Probably. I do think so. But what it comes down to is that they're playing these games, and all it should be is your choice in any case. Thomas, in the concurring opinion, wrote that siding with the conservative justices in voting to overturn Roe cited the rationale for tossing that, out that decision he called uh, other old cases unrelated to abortion to be reconsidered. The court well explains why, under our substantive due process precedents, the purported right to abortion is not a form of liberty protected by the due process clause of the U.S. Constitution Fourth Amendment, he wrote. Now, look, you have to acknowledge that's a sound statement. You can disagree with it. But to then go off and make this big—I mean, what they're doing right now is acting like Clarence, Clarence Thomas is— hating women, attacking women's rights, doing this because he's a conservative and he doesn't want women to have free choice. Where is, none of that's even on the table. 
Now, some people probably feel that way, but to read what he said, which is so clearly rooted in logic and sound understanding of the Constitution, it just is, it's upsetting that we even have to go through all of this. He says, the clause guarantees that no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or pursuit of property without due process of law. To shoehorn abortion into that is obviously pretty clumsy. Thomas argued that the right to abortion under that clause is neither deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition, nor implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Thomas noted that the three, three cases he, uh, he, he now says should be reconsidered in the court are not at issue in this ruling. He's just simply arguing in the future that they should be looked at. Now, I'm going to skip go through the rest because I'm running short on time here, guys. But the one other point, in, uh, or actually a couple of other points I want to make, is you're seeing then this clownish response happen, where an Oklahoma Democrat, this is not a joke, by the way, I'll show you the art, this is real, announces that he is planning, and it, by the way, has already introduced a bill that will mandate, quote, mandate that each male... When they reach puberty, get a mandatory vasectomy that only is reversible when they reach the point of financial and emotional stability. Now, obviously, even from his own statements, this is meant to be a sarcastic bill. Which, what does that even mean? So now you're admitting this is all theater? That you could just literally waste everybody's time voting and everything, putting bills forward that are meant to be sarcastic? I mean, this is ridiculous. You should be ashamed of yourself because what you're doing is playing politics. Using this, by the way, guys, here's the secret. That's always what's happening. But he said, it's meant to highlight how Republicans want to control women's reproductive organs. By the way, that's not what's happening. That's a childish, childish representation of what they're doing. You can argue that it amounts to that, but to say that they want to do that, this is, Putin feels this way. Putin's playbook. They are always driving you down logically. They want you to be the dumbest person possible. They're always aiming this at the lowest common denominator. Republicans, at least stated purpose, is about saving lives and not allowing babies to be killed. Now, do they feel that way? Is that what their argument is? Inside? I don't know. Maybe some of them do want to stop women from having control of their bodies. The point is that's not provable and on the table. But he says, but any bill regulating men's glands is shocking. Well, here, I mean, it's just a clumsy argument. How in the world is that even the same thing? So, so a, a, a boy is born, and you have to give them a vasectomy, which, by the way, is an invasive surgery, which is potentially, there are problematic things that could happen. It's only reversible when they reach the point of financial and emotional stability. Now, where does that translate to an unborn child being killed? I mean, I don't even understand that. There's, I mean, you could have made many other arguments that were at least somewhat connected there, but that's crazy to me. It's all just about a shocky, flashy thing. And now, by the way, though, here's what always happens with these, even though he's meant to be sarcastic, is it's translating into actual states, actual standing, actual opinion on Twitter. But this, this person says, the amount of people missing the point is ridiculous. The point is not to actually pass the bill. Then why'd you introduce it? I, don't, I mean, I don't even believe it's meant to be serious, but it's still there, and it is still really a bill, is to show how ridiculous it is for the government to mandate what we can and can't do with our bodies. Well, you know what? I agree with that. That's the problem here, is that you're attacking the wrong part of this. Ruling that the states should decide is giving you more freedom. Now attack that the states don't have the right to make the decision for anybody. It's to show how people only care when it's a man's right on the line. My God. But wait a minute, guys. Uh-oh. I, th- I thought men could have babies. Aren't you, aren't you a bigot for saying that? Are you deciding who is a man and who's not? Oops. 
right? Moments ago, they were unable to even state what definition was, what a woman definition was. Now, suddenly, everybody knows the difference. You know, realize how stupid that is and how hypocritical all of this is and subjective. Emotion is always leading the charge here, guys. But here's an article saying, just discussing this. Floats mandatory vasectomies and tongue-in-cheek abortion response. Floats sarcastic mandatory bill in protest of abortion ban. The, the, the Oklahoma State Representative put forward a piece of tongue-in-cheek legislation in response to the abortion ban. He introduced a bill mandating vasectomies. So just so we're clear that this is happening. Now, it's obviously meant to be facetious. But it's there. And here is somebody, whether joking or not, on their Tinder app, somebody sent this to me, vasectomy required. After the events of 624, like, like, like 9-11, like, these people are so ridiculous. Proof of vasectomies will be required before engaging. Why does that make sense? Oh, because you, you're being punitive, I see. Oh, yeah, you're going to do that? Well, I'm going to do this. Like I'm a three-year-old. Why don't you grow up and stop being a child, right? That's where this should be. Where we realize that this is not about tit for tat, but that's all we see today. So now we have the discussion of violence, right? And about how they're terrorists, insurrectionists. Well, this is how this continues to go, where they are intentionally flaming things that aren't really there in the same degree, on all sides, by the way. Now, that's not necessarily, I don't know how this fleshes out. It does seem to be, it does seem to me that this was somebody punching somebody, and it seems a person was or is taking responsibility for it. But it's not the fact that it happened that I'm, that I'm pointing out here. This is Jennifer Rourke. Black hu- rights are human rights. Which, again, black rights. I mean, this is, the, this is the frustrating part about this. There are human rights that apply to people, humans. The fact that you're trying to differentiate between them is, is the reverse of the problem you're trying to fight against. I just, that's, it's the simple idea what we always have to point out. Is it the idea that they're only applying in one simple category of people with certain skin color? In and of itself is a racist concept to me. But you know what? Maybe I'm a racist, right? Maybe that's what they would say. I'm only racist because I was born white. It's just stupid. I mean, it's just simply re- the reality of how much. It doesn't even matter. I shouldn't even have to give my bona fides to be able to point something like that out. But it says, I'm a reproductive rights organizer and state senate candidate. Last night, after speaking at our Roe rally, again, to what end? What do you think you're trying to accomplish other than getting votes? My Republican opponent, a police officer, violently attacked me. This is what it's like to be a black woman running for office. Okay, so prove to me that it was racially motivated. Prove to me that it has anything to do with your skin color. If it's not, and you can't prove that, then that's a racist statement. I won't give up. Now, this five-second clip, which has been seen five million times, clearly includes all the context, right? Which is so frustrating, right? This is how this always goes. this, This has obviously been clipped to make it so small. This wasn't a five-second clip. There was clearly more happening here. But it says, what exactly happened? And it goes back and forth. But this person says, and this, I can't confirm this, but that they were there and they saw, they saw the longer video and he was attacked by a random man and it was in the middle of a counter-protest and was surrounded by protesters trying to get, and blah, 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 which certainly could be the case, where he was trying to get away from what happened and ended up hitting a person he didn't mean to or so on. Now, from what I can see, that does not look like, that look, that's a black man right there, as far as I can tell. Right there. I see two shaved heads and a guy hitting a man with a shaved head. Unless I'm, unless I'm seeing things. Right? Okay. In any case, that person who he is hitting does not seem to look like this woman right here. Okay. So, 
Why are we showing a clip where he hits a guy and the argument is he hit her? Now, I'm not even disputing that because it seems that it did happen. But what's happening here? Why is this so... It's strange to me. But here's the report. Rhode Island cop arrested for assault on political opponent at this rally. Where it says the arrest of Gene Lugo came hours after the video of his alleged attack. He he was charged with simple assault. It says he was released on his own recognizance after turning himself in at the state police barracks. Which suggests he something, you know... I mean, unless he was trying to de- turn himself in to say, I didn't do anything. He appears in court on July 8th. So my guess is you're going to find out more about the story. If it goes, you know, if they're going to be disputing things. But here's points that weren't included in the other article. Tensions appeared to reach a boiling point when counter-protesters entered the crowd, which seems to support what this guy was saying. That the counter-protesters were there, and that's what caused this to happen, which is part of a story that they aren't seeming to include in other corporate media discussions. But it says they entered the crowd and began shouting. The Rhode Island police, state police confirmed that two people were arrested for what happened there. So it's interesting. It says in a statement that to the news, Lugo said he was in a situation that no individual should see themselves in. I don't know what that means exactly. I stepped in to protest someone that a group of agitators was attacking. So it seemed to suggest that he was doing something that had nothing to do with her, and it blew up into something else. So I guess we'll find out when it comes to a, a court. Or, you know, when, when the information comes out or he states something more on his Twitter account. But the fact that this be, it becomes what this framed as, you know, that it's all about Roe versus Wade and then it's because I'm a black person. These, these are these are just becoming meaningless, subjective talking points when they're thrown out with nothing to back them up. As if because you're a black person, any violence you get into is because you're black. That is insu- that's insulting to people that are dealing with actual race motivated actions. Now, the point coming down to. Where this is going in regard to insurrection and framing everybody as a, I believe, as I've said before, that this is a means to an end to illegalize everything that's happening and pushing back against the government. What just came out today around January 6th, to me, makes that all the more clear. Now that we're distracted by the next big thing, they're, they're, that this basically, and I've already seen this come out where they say they weren't interested in charges or so on, but now it looks like it's actually coming to the head and it says, if they, uh, it says charges for Trump or others. Not a principal interest for the January 6th committee. Oh, really? So, you know, we don't really care about charging with crimes. It's really just about exposing the truth. That's what they said in the article. That's ridiculous. If they have no interest in charging Trump, I said, that means they can't. Let's really understand that. That's them saying that to cover the fact that it turns out they can't do it, and they were obviously trying to charge them with crimes. That's clear by the trial. So this is a really clumsy argument, especially when it turns out they can't do that. It says, because this was never legitimate, guys... His statement essentially admits that when you read the article. If they can't charge him, they couldn't prove any crime. But they sure tried to fabricate one. And you guys know, if you actually care about the reality and the truth and nuance, that I don't support Donald Trump. In fact, I think he's quite ridiculous. And I think that he was used, if not involved, in entirely the the entire agenda around COVID-19. The problem here is that they did not, I guess I shouldn't say the problem, the reality is, that they did take him out of context. They did wink, wink, nudge, nudge, be like, Trump meant this when he stood up and said something completely inane or nothing, which was, you know, sort of like saying there was good people on both sides. Oh, no, he's a white supremacist supporting terrorism. That's not what he said, guys. He was pointing at the general protest, not just the crowds you were trying to highlight, the rise against move, rise above movement and so on. He was pointing to the real protest of people that weren't part of either side of the illusion and saying there were good people on all sides because it was true. 
There were people just generally protesting on all sides of Charlottesville and everything else. There were parts of it that got violent that they then pointed out as if it encompassed everything. Starting to see the illusion that they've always been painting. The problem is that on January 6th, because he didn't explicitly say, don't do the thing that you say you're going to do, it's stupid. He actually told people not to. He said, go home, do the... doesn't matter. Because we know what he really thinks. And that was the premise for their investigation. And that's clearly why they can't charge him with anything. But... As he points out down here on top of that, Trump has a media platform and hasn't used it to show the public videos like this one or push for more info on Ray Epps. Good point. Why is that? The whole thing is a power grab and he's playing the whole, his role. The new agencies will be a hammer for the party to use. Now, this is opinion, but I happen to agree. I agree that this stuff, why hasn't Trump made more of a focus on this stuff? Of course, Q will tell you it's a long-sought plan, right? Keep buying that. But just really quickly, you guys can watch this for yourselves. I'm already, I've taken way too much time on this opening part, but the bottom line of this video is that you can see this person who is a, an official walk up and try to open the door and then look for guidance and what he's supposed to do, unlock the doors, the whole damn thing, basically let people in. I mean, again, you could argue there's more context here. There's many examples of this, of them letting in the building and all they can do is focus on the, 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 the areas that were the most violent, by the way, the one which had Ray Epps there seemingly directing people on what to do next. But none of this matters because it's all terrorism and it's a 9-11 all over again and whatever it's meaningless statements they keep making that are not rooted in fact. So if it was an insurrection and there was plan was to overthrow the government, then why have only people only been charged with trespassing or, or destructive of property and why is Trump not being charged? You know why. Anybody honest knows why. Here's the, the link to the entire video. Then, as I said, and now this is the interesting part about this, and Andy No points out that the Department of Homeland Security has released a memo warning about likely increase in domestic violence extremism by the far left. Look at that. In response to the Supreme Court, the memo cites attacks from James Revenge and assassination attempts from Judge Kavanaugh. Now, of course, from people that don't want this to be what's being said because they want it to only be that Democrats control everything and they're fighting the Republicans because they want you to be sucked into the two-party paradigm, is they're going to argue that this is just an illusion. Which it could be, certainly could be, that they're only saying this so they hide the fact that they're not going to do anything, and maybe they're right. But that doesn't seem to be what's happening. And the point is, guys, guess what? You're all terrorists. Any of you, all of you, if you stand up and do something that challenges government discussions, government ruling, government mandates on your life. It's, it's, just, it's frustrating that we can't recognize this. But I said, blinded by partisanship, many have allowed themselves to be played. The true outcome here is now any resistance to government decrees, terrorism, insurrection from any side. And this is not an attempt to excuse actual violent acts. Here's the link to the show I just did, which you should watch. Which is that you're being played using Roe versus Wade. It's important. Then here's uh, True North pointing something out that I just wanted to show. To I've been pointing on uh, focusing on January 6th. But what is important to also point out from a Canadian perspective is the trucker convoy. What, what utter hypocrites these people are, right? So they're out there pro, now, ignoring for the conversation the people that you want to point out that committed violent acts on January 6th. You could point out violent acts at any protest that you want to point out that are committed by Antifa types, let's say. Same kind of thing. So should we dismiss everyone protesting at those because they broke a window? No. The point is that on January 6th, there was a huge grouping of people that were there to protest within their rights. The problem is that they then dismiss all of them because they don't agree with why they're doing it. They're terrorists trying to overthrow the government. That's not what they're saying. So you're just putting that on them. 
So you're violating the rights. Same thing with the trucker convoy. As he says right here, Prime Minister Trudeau defends his description of the convoy protesters as a fringe minority with unacceptable views. Saying the quiet part out loud, right? Coming right out and saying, no, we don't agree with their views. So you're not allowed to think differently than what the Canadian Apparently so. And so Trudeau is saying, they can't do that. They can't protest because we disagree with them. But over here, you're allowed to do anything, including break things, because we agree with what you're protesting. Let's not miss how stupid that is. He says there are, all, are people who are deliberately trying to stir up hate and intolerance. Yeah, I agree with that. It's you guys. But you guys can listen to it for yourselves. Let's try to go through this reasonably quickly. Brownstone Institute put out a great article. The FDA's future framework for COVID vaccines is a reckless plan. Now, I don't think I really... this this. Oh, that's right. This article is the same as this one, but written by Toby Rogers. FDA's proposed future framework. Now, we've been talking about this since the moment this was discussed. Tomorrow is when they vote on this. But I want to read a couple of important points that he wrote out here. Moderna is already signaling that they intend to manufacture a COVID-19 shot with the Alpha variant. And then to make it new and improved. They will add genetically modified RNA targeting the beta variant. Two things that are nowhere to be seen. Here's the best part. Moderna just claims this with no evidence that that, that formulation, alpha plus beta, different variants they say, will somehow protect against Omicron. Even though by the time these reformulated shots go to market, none of these variants will be, li- will be widespread circulation. Alpha and beta are, in context of how Omicron has taken over 90 plus percent, that's their statement. It's not there let alone whatever they say the original isolate is. So the point here is that they're bunching together the two earliest things after the original thing and saying that does everything. No, it doesn't, guys. And bottom line is you're still taking shots right now that produce antibodies for something that's not in circulation, and they're still telling you get that first one right now. And by the way, I'll make clear, even once they pretend they can do new things with no safety testing, they're still arguing that you should take the original shot based on something that's not there to prime you for the next thing. Why wouldn't that be alarming to everybody? What are you priming me for? What does this even mean if I'm using a shot that you admit now is not even effective? Oh, I guess because you got to build it to the next thing. There's something more alarming happening here. Whatever this thing is, it's some kind of step process, and that is not what you should be taking. But it says, the future framework would take the flu strain selection process. You know, the the process that fails every year, and amplify it to the future COVID-19 shots. Federal bureaucrats, many of whom have financial conflicts of interest, or pretty much all of them, would choose which SARS-CoV-2 variants to include in a yearly COVID shot. Oh, you mean it's going to happen every year forever because that's the plan? Yeah, oh yeah, that's always been the plan. Remember remember when that was conspiracy theory? In the process, all future COVID-19 shots will be deemed automatically safe and effective without further clinical trials because they are considered biologically similar to existing COVID shots. So no more safety testing. Now, I want to be clear to show you that they are doing testing even now, but it's for efficacy and really not even efficacy in what you would think it means. It's just to find any kind of antibody response. And if they see any antibody response, they go, it works. Give it to everybody quickly, even though they themselves have admitted that they don't even really know how it works. Right. We're not even really sure how this process works. We've just played that clip. That was on the last FDA meeting. Okay, so going forward. Pfizer says their tweaked, tweaked COVID shot boosts Omicron protection. Oh, yeah, how much? Doesn't matter. It, it boosts it. It changes it. It's different. So one antibody, 100 million? Nah, it doesn't matter. It, it goes up a little bit. That's how they, the way they keep talking about this. And that's what you keep finding. And that's what experts keep calling out. 
that the media ignores is they look into the data and they go, what are you talking about? This is not even viable. You're seeing an increase in antibody production. Is it the right kind of antibody? It doesn't even matter. So they push it forward. That's all their argument was for children is that it created an antibody response. Pfizer are now, and by the way, we're still seeing immediate waning. And they're now even admitting that to justify the next one. But still going, but take the first one though. So it doesn't work, it wanes. So we make a new one that does. But until then, take the first thing because it works. They can't even, they're contradicting themselves in the same sentence. Pfizer announced Saturday that tweaking its COVID vaccine to better target the Omicron variant is safe and works. So is it safe and effective? It works. Oh, okay. So that's a little deviation. And is it safe? Well, it's not, though. It still has, five, still has the psych protein, still has the lipid nanoparticles, and by the way, more. And it still has the mRNA, or rather the instructions to create it which then creates a spike protein. The point is all of these things individually, respectively, are dangerous, and they're all still there. So no, it's not safe at all in any way, shape, or form. Those vaccines target the original coronavirus strain, and their effectiveness against any infection dropped markedly when the super contagious Omicron mutant emerged. Really? Guys, this is NBC. Not that that should give you any sort of sound, like feeling that they're sound or solid, but it's corporate media which I guess is exactly why you would expect this. Instead of saying the, the, the highly, transmissible, highly transmissible Omicron variant emerged. You know, that's called being an intelligent scientific species. No, here's what they say. The super contagious Omicron mutant. Are they treating you like you're six? Yes, they are. And of course, they want you to sound very super contagious mutant. Well, no, it's actually, it's actually more transmissible, they claim, and in fact has been shown by most experts to be a positive thing because it does increase immunity. It does, well, that's what they say anyway. But none of that matters because we have to stop it immediately because we're all going to die, except it's not even remotely what's happening. Now, obviously, no one's really screaming it like that, but that's the hype that they're doing. This is super dangerous, and we're a pandemic, and it's the, the, the children, long COVID, and we have to do this. Well, no, we don't. Because in reality, this thing is not dangerous. It's less than the flu. It's not affecting basically any children. And the idea here is that this is something that is going to create immunity, which by all peer-reviewed studies is lasting, durable, and robust naturally. But I'm conspiracy theorist because I listen to the science, I guess, except I don't trust it. I simply listen to acknowledge it, and I continue to go forward questioning it all. Super contagious, but those vaccines, the originals that target those, saw a marketed drop. But still take it, though, right? Because it doesn't work? Yeah, work that one out for yourself. The Food, the food and Drug Administration is considering ordering a recipe change. In the study, more than 1,200 middle-aged and older adults who had three Pfizer doses, my God, Pfizer said that both booster approaches spurred a substantial jump. How much? Do we get to see it? Nobody even cares. A substantial jump from nothing is, could be 10, could be 1. <laughs> That's a substantial 50% more, right? See how that works? If nothing's happening, one thing would be 50% increase. 50% increase, two would be 100. Oh my God, we're so, the point is, or I guess one would be 100, excuse me. 100% increase sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Except when you realize that it's not working and it wanes and it causes all these problems and all the rare side effects that are a thousand, a million of them in the pile. I mean, that's the joke I keep making, thousand million. The point I keep making is that we're, how many rare side effects in a gigantic pile until they're no longer rare collectively? We're there. We've been there for a really long time with this long list that never ends of things they say are super rare but possible from the ejections. But the point is they're testing to see if they cause antibodies. Are they the right kind of antibodies? Are they, are they produced to, to, to Omicron or to Alpha or Beta? 
what is what's happening here? It doesn't matter. Now they're gonna they're gonna they, as long as they can see a response, that's what this is being pushed forward as. Now here is the FDA slides discussing what they're gonna be talking about, which is right there, the influenza model, which means they don't safety test, they just pump out the new strain and they keep making new injections. Here's the meeting. You can watch it when it comes live. It'll be in it'll be in 17 hours. <clears throat> now here are some points I want to get at. See how quickly we can get through this. I got 15 minutes or 25 minutes. As at a previous vaccines-related biological products advisory meeting, they discussed considerations that should inform the strain composition decisions. So that this, just so you clearly see this, they're talking about changing what's in these things, when and how frequently to consider strain changes, and the process that should be used for making recommendations for updating the vaccine strain composition. At, at, at a follow-up meeting April 6th, the meeting held to discuss the... Yeah, so same point. Following these presentations... They'll be asked to discuss several questions regarding considerations for data needed to support authorization. Just to be clear, guys, they're asking for emergency authorization for the new strains without safety tests. They're saying authorization. It's not approval. Now, understand, I'll make this point in a second, that I was even, I mean, I don't even think I was truly aware of this. Do you realize that Moderna was approved? So they say, and by the way, just like community, it's not being used in the population. It's the same illusion. So now there are literally on their books two different COVID-19 injections that they approved, and yet they're still emergency authorizing things. That's just blatantly illegal. That violates their own laws, rules, whatever you want to call it, their, their own processes. Now, it says that the under authorized and approved, this is my point, COVID-19 vaccines, both mRNA perform, uh, platform encoding spike protein uh, from the Wuhan strain containing this mutation, so that's the point, they're both all based on this original thing, have been approved by the FDA for a two-dose series. One is Comirnaty, which is not being used and approved for 16 and older, and then there's Spikevax, which, by the way, is their name they changed the Moderna to when it got approved. Right, so Moderna is approved for use in 18 or older. So ask yourself this though: You're 16, you're approved for Comirnaty, and only 18 for Moderna, but they're able to be used interchangeably. That makes sense, right? I'll make this point further on in this. It literally says that you could take any viable COVID injection for a booster after this. So if they, how about they start with the approved 16-year-old version, but then they're 17, and then they're able to get the Moderna one though? They're not even 18 yet. How does that work out? Like this is completely off the rails. But it says these two vaccines have also received emergency authorization for all sorts of different uses. With any authorized or approved COVID-19 vaccine, oh, that was the point. So it says that they, 18 or older, after completion of the primary vaccination, with any authorized or approved vaccine. So you're, you can complete your series with any other injection that's authorized. They're not the same size. They're not the same holding temperature, the same time in between. This is just incredibly dangerous as even... Leading experts in the UK said before they started what they're literally now calling mix and match. Just like the COVID toe joke, I swear to God, I said mix and match, and I was trying to make fun of them, like bargain bin. I literally used mix N with an apostrophe match when I first talked about this being floated. And then I swear to you, months later, they came out and literally called it mix and match. I just think that's hilarious. That's so stupid. Now, here it is, Spike Backs and Moderna. On January 31st, the FDA announced the second approval of a COVID vaccine. Like, I didn't even hear that. Not that I would even think it matters, seeing as how it's not even actually out. But that just slipped by me, apparently. But that was two of them. So you're not allowed to emergency authorize things when there's an approved injection. Whether or not they're letting it be used in the population. 
So here's here's this point, just to make that very clear, where it, it says very clearly that the first booster dose to individuals 18 years or older who have completed a primary series with Moderna COVID-19 vaccine or spike vax. Just like with community, they're two separate things, legally distinct, and in fact actually have altered changes. But they pretend they're the same, and they're not. But they're not be they're only still giving the Moderna version because they're still have indemnity with the emergency authorized versions. Started rolling review for adapted spike backs, COVID-19. This is so here it is on uh, the 17th of this month. So understand that in in January 31st of this year, they supposedly approved this, but didn't start using it. And then by June, they're already adapting this very thing they just approved for something else. That's not how this is supposed to work, guys. I mean, this is just completely off the rails and alarming. Now it goes on to say, with the currently authorized and approved COVID vaccines in the U.S. are based on the original Wuhan strain, exactly, recently and currently circulating variants harbor mutations in the S protein, spike protein, that confer at least partial antigenetic escape from vaccine-elicited immunity. Right, they're beginning to come out and just be clear about the fact that these things aren't working. Nonetheless, currently available vaccines have retained some level of effectiveness. Well, that sure sounds great against all epidemiologically important SARS-CoV-2 variants, except Omicron is not the one they say is the most important. That doesn't make sense. That have emerged to date with higher level effectiveness preserved against more serious outcomes, even though that's not true, as the data wildly contrasts that. Results from observational studies, and that's probably why they find what they want to find, have investigated the effectiveness of primary vaccination with authorized and approved vaccines have shown decreased effectiveness against certain variants with and, and waning over time, which is still what's going to happen if you take the first thing immediately, by the way. Observational studies have also indicated waning effectiveness of the first booster dose over time. Exactly. Not, it doesn't matter whether it's the first thing, the booster, or the third hundredth booster. It immediately starts waning after day one. After 30 days, it's down to less than 50% relative risk reduction. After three months, it is negative 75. They just can't hide from that. And lower effectiveness in the immunocompromised. Oh, you mean the ones you make sure get it first, even though you haven't even studied if it's safe in them? Shocking. Now, I have literally 15 minutes. Now, the point here, guys, is to read through what they're actually going to do. Currently authorized approved COVID vaccines in their mono form based on the S protein, uh, they're what they're using. And now they're talking about using forms that, that essentially can, they claim deal with multiple forms. But what, are they, what, what it says is the decision to modify the strain is likely supported by evidence that this is what they would need to prove. Circulating SARS-CoV-2 variants are antigenically distinct from the strain, including current vaccines, which means they wouldn't be working. So literally, they have to prove that they don't even apply these current vaccines to be able to justify the new one. Look at how that works out. Currently available vaccines are less effective against circulating virus variants than against previously circulating strains. They already know that. Candidate vaccines with an updated strain composition is more closely matched to new circulating virus to be manufactured according to the requirements for quality and consistency. Sufficient to None of these things are even happening now. Candidate vaccines with such an updated strain composition will be more effective against circulating and potentially emerging virus variants and would have more favorable benefit-risk-benefit than currently available vaccines. Oops, that's not going to work out, guys. I can almost promise you they won't have more favorable risk-benefit analysis because they're not going to be safety testing. All they're going to do is apply the same thing, and that's what's being made clear in the rest of this documentation. Now, I'm going to go ahead and skip this. I'll come back to some of this just so I can get to the rest of this information. But it's saying the current 
waning immunity elicited by current vaccines and the available immunogenicity data generated from limited number of variant-specific vaccine candidates suggest that an updated vaccine composition may provide added benefit. Basically, they're simply continuing to say these things aren't working. That's why we need something new. But they continue to state in here that they're going to be changing. Here's one of the only things they list in this document, but it's listed everywhere else we've discussed this. Use of updated vaccines as first booster doses would be based on extrapolation of data from studies of second booster doses and studies of other modified vaccine candidates. So continue to not do the testing that they would be needed. What if additional data, if any, would be needed to recommend an updated composition? So even that suggests right there that they're arguing maybe we wouldn't need any data to recommend the update. That is the point. That's the discussion that's on the table right now. Now, quickly to go through these, I want you to see that we're continuing to see the things we've been pointing out. Thank you for Tracy, PhD, for pointing this out. Here's the study, June 24th. Epidemiology of myocarditis and pericarditis following mRNA vaccination. What does it say? Oh, and Brighton collaboration case definition is BC. That's so that's Brighton collaborations definition for myocarditis. Of these 19 million doses of mRNA vaccination, it says 417 cases of myocarditis, pericarditis reported to the the provincial system on adverse events following immunization. Of these cases, 71% meant the inclusion for myocarditis. The bottom line is, guys, that this is being found very clearly. So it doesn't matter that you, we need to understand that this is something that is dangerous long sought and th- this is this is broadly for all group remember the younger kids are showing this to be way higher than they ever thought it was and the risk outweighs your risk of covid-19 because there is no evidence of follow-up myocarditis from covid-19 which we continue to point out we just showed that in the last show seeing as how that's a one that's going to be very difficult for people to want to believe oh wait a minute did i just save that that's frustrating Shoot. Well, I'll include it in the show notes. I don't want to take time to find it since I'm so short on time here. Shoot, that's frustrating. Well, you guys all saw it. Please post it there for me. We just talked about it. It says there is no correlation with COVID-19 and myocarditis. And there is just no connection between having COVID-19 and following up with myocarditis. It's the same prevalence you would find in the normal population, which they love to make that argument on the other side of it, right? But when they find that exact thing, they go, no, it's it's there. We can see it. Yeah, it's the same prevalence you'd find in anybody in a normal situation. So we continue to find this risk. Here is a massive safety signal for infertility from Germany's first report of birth rates since the rollout. 2022 alone has seen a dramatic drop in fertility. Gee, I wonder why. Now you can read these for yourself. The studies are all included. Here is Josh chiming in saying, look at Switzerland as well. This is from Swiss Policy Research, showing you a marketed collapse in fertility just in 2022. How do you explain that? I think you know. Here is somebody else chiming in in the same way. Unprecedented drops in births in quarter one. In previous years, the births were quite consistent. Even in lockdown, 2022, no traces. But 2020, or 2020, 2020, no traces. 2022, look at the drop. It's incredible. This is the kind of obvious correlation that they'll ignore. And then here's another one in regard to safety signals. Now, this one is just a safety signal. It's not, this is just a possibility, but we already see the examples of peer-reviewed studies proving this is happening. So it just adds to that. Saying a total of 334 and 402 thromboembolonic events and 57 and 49 hemorrhagic stroke cases occurred within 28 days after Pfizer's shot. They detected a possible safety signal for following that shot. It's very important. Here, another example. 
As he's saying, the Netherlands is a country that consistently measures concentrations of SARS-CoV-2 in sewage on a daily basis for every municipality. So they've been testing in the sewer water. Now what they find, the least vaccinated municipality in the country has only eight, and it's only 18% boosted and 34% vaxxed. Guess what? It says the least vaccinated municipality in the country is the traditional fishing island, Urk, a very traditional Christian community where just 18% is boosted. And it says, did I miss the point here? Oh, it's right here. They check the concentrations of SARS-CoV-2 RNA in the different municipalities. What we encounter is that Urk, the lowest vaccinated place in the entire area, is the municipality with the lowest relative concentrations of, R- of SARS-CoV-2 RNA. So look at that. So his point is evidence that the Netherlands strongly suggests the current Omicron wave is a consequence of mass vaccination. Just correlation. You should, it's, this is just correlation. So research it for yourself. But how do you explain that the least injected area has the least prevalence of RNA of SARS-CoV-2? And it says here, you could fi- look at the findings for yourself, which you should. There you go. And that's why we're seeing stuff like this continue to happen. Here's even the BBC, by the way, guys. La- <clears throat> Jack, Jack Last died of a blood clot days after COVID jab. Look at that. Now, do you not realize that's exactly the same argument that good science is making? If these people died after an injection, not trying to say you could prove that all of them are what happened? Isn't that fun? So wouldn't BBC be a big conspiracy outlet based on the, by the fact checks of Reuters and everybody else? See how, see how subjective and ridiculous that is? Obviously, they died, which you can prove, and obviously they had a shot in some of their cases. In this case, they did die. He did die. He did have a shot. Why is this more journalistically sound than what he's doing? It's ridiculous. The problem is this is very alarming as it's happening everywhere. 27-year-old died after developing a blood clot on his brain days after his first COVID vaccination. That's happening everywhere. Here's another one. 14-year-old boy dies in his class. Sudden death. Cause of death is not yet known. This is happening all over the place, guys. You can argue it's not the vaccine. Fine. Why don't we just first decide that it's happening? That lots of young kids and athletes are collapsing and dying of cardiac arrest all over the place. And first, just acknowledge that's a real thing because it obviously is exponentially more than any study has ever found on an average year. And here's RFK telling you why they're so desperate to make sure that they approve these or recommend them for children. So they're never going to market a vaccine, allow people access to a vaccine, an approved vaccine, without getting liability protection. Now, the the emergency use authorization vaccines have liability protection under the PrEP Act and under the CARES Act. So as long as you take an emergency use, you can't sue them. Once they get approved, now you can sue them, unless... They can get it recommended for children. What? Because, because all vaccines that are recommended, officially recommended for children, get liability protection, even if an adult gets that vaccine. That's why they're going after kids. They know this is going to kill and injure a huge number of children, but they need to do it for the liability protection. Now, that, that is the act of 1986. Right. So understand there's two steps here. One is getting the the artificial approval. Right. They already got that squared away. They, that illusion was played out. Right. Moderna is approved. They say current communities approved, but we're not using them, though. We're going to pretend like that makes sense to anybody. But they've got that checked off. We got it approved, legally speaking. Right. Now, if they can get people to recommend these for children, 
the approved version, it's all done. As I said, he explains that criminally negligent and entirely intentional push to get these injections recommended for children. It's to avoid all liability from the dangerous effects they know people are suffering afterward. Once that happens, they're untouchable. That's alarming. Now, EU has just extended, because it's not going away, guys, its vaccine passport scheme until June 30th, 2023. There's now a significant danger that these controls will become permanent and will be incorporated into the EU's totalitarian new system of digital IDs. Here's the report about it, confirming one-year extension. Now, in a few minutes, which unfortunately, I apologize, this was the secondary part of the title, New York Times is New York Times is reporting some CIA personnel have continued to operate in Ukraine secretly, <laughs> mostly in Kiev. How interesting! Directing much of the intelligence the U.S. is sharing with Ukrainian forces, according to its current foreign officials. Who told you that? Right? Haven't you heard that somewhere else? And we were called conspiracy theorists for continuing to argue that the CIA has been in this country since 1948, or the fact that uh, here's one I should have included too. Verifiable facts. As the FBI has made clear and the CIA has made clear that they've been doing this from the beginning of this. They've been on the ground operating with the Azov Battalion and these other Ukrainian Nazis. These are, that's what's been happening. So it's interesting to see that they're admitting that, right? But just so you know, so it's clear, in Kiev specifically, the CIA is on the ground. That should be alarming to anybody. Because Biden's been lying and saying, no boots on the ground. Well, that's boots on the ground, guys, no matter how you spin that. As it says, the nation's ability to resist the onslaught depends more than ever on the help from U.S. Right, so they were just about to win up until they were obviously not winning, and now they're just going, well, well, now we need to arm them more because they're about to lose. So were they always about to lose and you were lying, or they were always about to win until some single event spun everything back around? Like, just how, look how ridiculously childish these people are. They're going to run out of missiles, they're going to run out of bombs, they're going to run out of bullets. Putin has a great cancer, he's about to die. Like, they just can't stop lying to you. The point is, they've always been lying, and Russia has always stated that what they were going to do, all, and maintained it, as you can tell, and the bottom line, and I was challenging that at the beginning, I didn't, stay, I didn't say that because he said he was going to, I said, let's see what happens, and here we are, and it's pretty clear that what he said is what happened. Now, on top of that, as even Colonel McGregor and plenty of others have made very clear, there's no evidence that they ever even pushed into Kiev. That's been a narrative from day one. So the real question needs to be, when you're now going to see some bombings happening in Kiev, why would that even make sense? Now, certainly they could be doing that. I wouldn't put it past any government from punitively bombing anything. But understand that what we keep seeing, and I've proven to you, is lobbing bombs into the open area of Donetsk in civilian areas of Donbass. There's not a front line there. Despite the media lying about that, they keep bombing the center of Donetsk. They're killing civilians. That's Ukraine actively doing that. Now, here, could Russia be doing that to high with? Sure. But that's, there's no evidence, and in fact, there's provable evidence that Ukraine is doing that. Now, it says, including a stealthy network of commandos and spies rushing to provide weapons, intelligence, and training, according to U.S. and European officials. But even as Biden administration declared it will not deploy American troops to Ukraine— some CIA personnel, I love how they put it in acronym, like, like we're still confused about what they are, continue to operate in the country secretly, mostly in the capital of Kiev, directing much of the vast amounts of intelligence. Maybe that's why this was all focused on there, because that's their central command. Well, first of all, just to be clear, even the Wikipedia makes clear the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, the group that was created, or basically pulled out of resurrected by the CIA, or rather the OSS at the time, in 1948, when they cre- they literally pulled a, an open and documented Nazi war criminal, neo-Nazi, a Nazi war criminal called Mikhail Lebed, 
and they put him in position in both the U.S. and Ukraine as a head of the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists in Ukraine and the leader of the Prologue media company in New York City. All on the record. Even Wikipedia makes it clear. There they did. Where did, I, where did I? Did I not? Is that not highlighting for me now today? It's right there. During the Cold War, Western intelligence agencies, including the CIA, covertly supported the UAE. Yeah, that's the point, guys. Which, by the way, those groups they supported then became Svoboda, Right Sector, all the Nazi ones. Oh, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> How can they still pretend like we're lying when that's so obvious? Bottom line is, guys, that's not just the Aza Battalion. Documents prove the CIA has been doing this and on the record to do it against the Soviet Union, now Russia. Exactly like you think it's happening, as you as is clearly plain by the facts. Vanilla ISIS is here. The CIA constructed illusion meant to demonize Russia and justify war on you. Now, for the last few minutes, make sure we see that the U.S. is still providing advanced anti-air missile systems to these neo-Nazis with CIA support, artillery support, you know, pinpoint precision type missiles. That just happened, right? They just gave them all to. And by the way, don't forget that the. Congress has also ramped up efforts to increase $813 billion military budget for next year. That's like a $40 billion increase. Gee, that's almost as much as went to Ukraine. Maybe there's a correlation there. What do you think? How about the fact that this is almost, it, it, it goes over a trillion dollars when all said and done out of your pocket for war, unjust, illegal war, or, or, or excuse me, for freedom. I said, I said, I mispronounced it for freedom. Excuse me. So here's the point. Ukraine, first of all, says a barrage of rockets were fired from Belarus on the 25th. Weird, nobody cared about that. I didn't see any real big discussion. So first, oh, Belarus is firing. So, uh, so weird that they didn't pick it up on it. That was Ukraine says. So I don't know why that one wasn't a big deal. Then today, or yesterday, excuse me, we see Russian missiles hit Kiev as G says G7 summit begins. Interesting. But the point is, Russia targeted the Ukraine capital, they say, with missiles. Okay, where'd they get that from? Oh, I see. The city's deputy mayor said. That's it. Ukraine says. That's another Ukraine says story. So that you, like Ukraine said, Ghost of Kiev was shot down. Like Ukraine says, Bucha, Bucha was attacked by Russia. Like Ukraine says, Kromstock was attacked, the, the train station, even though you can prove based on mathematics that the missile came from Ukraine or that they used Ukrainian missiles like the Trotska U. Oh, no, none of that matters, though, because Ukraine says, right? Bardenko also said a kindergarten was hit, or kindergarten. Here we go. Back to that again. Are we going to prove it? You mean like the kindergarten you claim was hit in the very beginning, but turns out was on the wrong side of the line? Oops. They all just jumped away from it. How about the video of Ukraine's Ministry of Eternal Affairs showed what happened? How do we, so because they're showing you a missile of what they did or showing you a missile of what they hit or saying it was hit by somebody else, I'm just using that as an example. Why does that prove Russia did it? Could they have done it? Yes. Don't we care about evidence anymore? Why in the world would they even do that? Strategically speaking, it doesn't make sense. And we've proven that they lied about this once already. So what are we doing? The CNN team on the ground spoke to the injured girl's grandmother and who rushed to the apartment block after it happened. Oh, so why do we care what she says if she doesn't know what happened either? Because she cried and people died, and that is sad. But you're using emotions to manipulate people. Ukrainian Air Force said. The mayor of Kiev said. That's the entire story. Good job, CNN. Ukrainian State Emergency Service said. You, and Joe Biden said he was upset about the attack because Russia, very intelligent stuff. And then finally, just happened apparently, Ukraine officials fear scores of civilians are injured and dead as Russian rockets strike a mall. How do we know this? Because Zelensky, Zelensky said. At least a thousand civilians were trapped in the mall. Where are all the cars? I don't see any cars in the parking lot. 
But the point is, guys, they don't know this. And all they're doing is saying Ukraine said that's it. That's embarrassing. And they've already been caught lying. So I'm going to get out of here quickly, guys, because I have one minute to get over with Ricky. Thank you for being here today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.